0: Well, again, so glad you're here today. If you got your Bibles, we're going to start in Matthew 15 today, and we're going to kind of journey through some number of scriptures that uh, kind of tell a story that we're going to follow a person's life uh, as we look at this idea of being overwhelmed by personal shortcomings today. Now, over the the last three weeks, we have uh, been having this series looking at how uh, this feeling of being overwhelmed can kind of just creep into our life. Just kind of come in, and maybe through circumstances, through through things that have happened in our life, through whatever, all of a sudden we just wake up and we feel overwhelmed. Like it's just the way our day starts or it's the way our day ends. There is no controlling it sometimes. And uh, it just makes us feel concerned, beaten, and conquered sometimes. We just wake up that way. Or something pops into our life, some uncontrollable circumstance, and all of a sudden we feel defeated and beaten. And we've talked in the past how our past experiences can kind of do that and we can live out of regret. And then we talked about a few weeks ago how our current circumstances can cause us to have fear. Like we just look around us and we become fearful and that can paralyze us. And we even talked about our our future, our uncertain futures, and how we know there's going to be things coming at us that we can't control and how that causes us to worry. And and we've talked about how this isn't just an attitude uh, or a one-time thought, but it can become an attitude of our life, where we kind of go from feeling just a little troubled to feeling completely lost. And I'm not sure where you sit in this journey today. I know as I've been studying this and God's been speaking to me in this series, it has really challenged me to begin to look at what do I let control my life? What do I let control my attitudes? Why am I so easily overwhelmed sometimes? Why do I give so much power to my pr- past? So much power to the circumstances around me or power to things that I worry about that I really have no control over. But today we're going to actually talk about what I think is the toughest of these. Because we're going to take the idea of looking externally and now we're going to say I'm going to look a little internal. And look at how what I am and who I am can make me feel overwhelmed. And not even what I am but usually what I am not where I think I am lacking and so what makes this such a difficult topic think about it for me for a minute when when we look at our past present our future sometimes that can actually motivate me like okay I'm just gonna do better I'm gonna work harder I'm gonna not do what I did before and I'm just gonna am gonna make better choices and mo- motivate me to kind of just prepare better look in you know look deeper into my soul and just go for it but when we look inside of ourselves and we see our shortcomings. It, it makes us feel defeated and discouraged. I, I like literally, I, like, I don't like to take these d- deep inward perspectives sometimes. I don't even like, like seeing the insides of my body. Like I, blood just like, oh, like a side of blood. I, I was one time when, when we lived in Georgia, I was out trimming our hedges. And um, I should never do this. I'm not good with uh, lawn equipment. I never have been. And I was trimming it one time and it like, I caught on something and it came up and I put my it was an electric hedge trimmer. And I caught it with my hand, which you should not do because it like almost cut off my pinky. And so uh, like I had to wrap this thing up. I had to run to the hospital. I dropped the kids off at a neighbor's house. Katie shows up at the house about an hour later. There's like blood all over the floor. No kids. She's like, what has happened? And uh, so, anyway, I get to the hospital. I should have called her, but I, I didn't for whatever reason. I get to the hospital and the guy's like, you're going to need three stitches. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, like, he starts doing this. He shows me my finger and I literally almost pass out. I mean, from a little bitty cut on my finger. And he's like, hey, we've had two people dying here today. You're going to be okay. And I'm like, I just don't like looking inside. I don't, see what, I don't like what's supposed to be inside to come out. And that's the way even emotionally we act, don't we? Like we've stuffed enough stuff down and hidden enough things in our life. We've learned how to contain our true deep feelings. Like when they actually start to bubble to the surface and come out, we're like, nope. Nope. We're, we're noping out of this one, right? I'm not doing this. I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to look this deeply into my soul. But I want to challenge us to do that today as we look at a character in Scripture. But before we jump into his story, I want to try to challenge you to to not do some things first this morning. Because when we do this, when we look into our souls, we have a tendency to do a few things. I want to challenge you not to do this. And the first thing is this. Don't hide today. Don't hide our tendency will be to skim over the challenges that we have in our character, to put a couple out there that aren't too bad, but then hide the real deep issues. Don't even admit them to ourselves. Like, okay, I'm, you know, I might be a little angry sometimes. I might do this, but we don't ever really dig deep. So don't hide today. Also, don't overreach. Don't act like you're worse than you are. Sometimes we have a tendency to overstate and exaggerate our weaknesses. Like, I am a terrible person. I'm the worst person. Like, nobody likes me. I'm you know, don't overstate it and overreach either. Also, don't compare today. Don't worry about like, you know, well, this isn't what my spouse deals with. This is what this person deals with, what's on your left or right, whatever. It's about you today, not the person sitting beside you. Comparison can make us think better of us than we are and worse of us than we are as well. Fourth thing is this, don't don't condemn yourself today either. When we start to take a deep look into our character and our soul, we often see these deficiencies, and in those deficiencies, we start to beat ourselves up. We condemn ourselves for these repeated failures, and we, we close the case on our life and say, I'm, I'm done. Don't condemn yourself, and then don't forget. Don't forget that you're not alone in here. All right, Whatever struggle you're dealing with, whatever character flaw, whatever deficiency and personal shortcoming you have, can, can you just look around the room for a minute and realize there's somebody else in here that deals with that as well? Whatever it is, you're like, no, 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 no. You don't know this one that they're saying the same thing. We all deal with these personal shortcomings. None of us are perfect. Someone else in here is dealing with it. Someone else in here has dealt with it and God hasn't abandoned them and God's not going to abandon you. Well, we're all broken, we, we, we said, you know, you can't hide. We're all broken people. I also want someone to hear this this morning. We are all also redeemable, restorable. No, nobody in here is broken beyond repair. Nobody. God can take and heal anything. All of these things that I just told us not to do, these are not natural for us. We like to do the opposite. We like to hide. We like to overreach, compare, condemn, and forget and think we're all alone. And we turn the mirror on ourselves and we become our own worst enemy. When we look into the mirror, typically what do you see? Do you look and see how good you are? Or do you typically look and see the flaws that you know about? you say oh man i gotta work on this look at this look look at how my bad my lack of hair is today or no hair you know whatever it is we see all the things i remember one youth camp i went to when i was growing up this guy speaking was talking about the end of days and judgment time and when we would stand before god and he said i believe when we stand before god we're all all of creation is gonna be standing before god you're gonna come before him and you your whole life is gonna play on this giant movie screen before god and all of creation i'm like Oh, my, please, God, no. Like, what a horrible, I don't, it doesn't say that in the Bible, okay? It doesn't say that. I was, like, so fearful that, like, everything, the worst things about me were going to be shown to everybody. And we, we see that, and it leads us to one point, and that point is shame. When we start to focus on this, sometimes we come to a point of shame. Shame Shame is what results in our lives when all we do is focus on our shortcomings, without remembering to take the steps that I've just mentioned of not hiding and forgetting and condemning. Shame is nothing but the combination of feeling unworthy and guilty. Unworthy and guilty. And it's a horrible place to live. Shame is a horrible place to live. But shame is exactly where the enemy would like to lead you and leave you. He would love to leave you there. When we live in shame, we feel inept, inadequate, and it immobilizes us. The overwhelming feeling that comes with shame is the most damaging of all because it tells you that you have no value, no use, and no hope. Today is not about shame. It is about freedom. Listen to what Romans 8, 1 and 2 says is this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Shame, guilt, and unworthiness have no place in your life anymore. They can be overcome as we walk in the freedom of Christ. So as we journey through this idea of dealing with personal shortcomings, I want you to remember this is a journey to freedom, not to shame. My goal today is not to point out the weaknesses in your life. My goal today would be to uncover, let us uncover those weaknesses that we already know that are there and let Jesus respond to those in a way that we can now walk out of here in freedom. So I hadn't scared off you to death yet, and you're ready to leave and be like, I really don't want to do what we're about to do. We're going to jump in and dive into a story of a character in the Bible, a guy that I really have always identified with and connect with, and his, his name is Peter. One of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples and a uh, unique guy. One moment he would do amazing things for Jesus, and uh, he would catch things that nobody else would, and then other times he just looks like a, a complete fool, makes an idiot of himself. And, and maybe that's why I connect with him so well. And uh, I'm sure there were things in his past, present, and future and, and that worry, regret, and fear all led to some of these things in his life. But I think when we look at these stories in the Bible, we see that it was actually his personal shortcomings that led him to have so many of these moments of where we just see his character revealed but let's start in matthew 15 and we're gonna hit a number of these today and see where uh we see some shortcomings in peter's life and maybe how we can identify with these as well luke 15 14 through 16 says this let them alone they are blind guides and this is jesus telling a story about the pharisees and he says if the blind lead the blind both will fall into a pit that sounds pretty obvious right i mean and then peter goes Explain the parable to us, and Jesus said, "Are you still without understanding?" <laughs> Jesus was so nice. <laughs> I really think this is Jesus' way of saying, "You fool! What did you not get? It's not that deep. Like blind leading the blind, they're going to fall into a pit. Like you get that? Can you explain this to me? What what was going on here?" And he was just having this maybe brain moment of you know brain fog, where he's like, "I don't understand what's going on." And he was just saying, you know, I don't get it. This is too complicated. What are you saying? And here's what we see about Peter, right? Peter was dense, right? I mean, he was just dense. I was going to put dumb. I thought that was a little too, but he was just dense in this moment. And you know what? I I know I feel this way, way, way too often as well. I don't always show it. And one of the ways you can tell when I feel like I'm feeling dense, I don't know what I'm talking about is when I stop talking because I love to talk. If you've been around me much i love talk i can i'll talk to anybody but like when i get in a time when i'm like i have no clue what's going on i don't know what's happening like i just shut down because i'm like i don't want to make any more fool of myself than i already feel like i I just feel already feel dense enough like i don't want to let everybody else know exactly how i'm feeling as well maybe you feel dumb and dense sometimes maybe especially when it comes to spiritual things you just shut down and you throw your hands up and surrender and say it's too complicated and we end up staying in the shallow end of the pool instead of wading out into the deeper waters and are like i'll just stay here my granddad we called him papa he was scared to death of water only time i ever saw him in the water he had like three floaties on each arm and one of those things around his waist in three feet of water Gary, I'm not looking at you today, but uh, <laughs> but he he would get it. He was so he was in three feet of water. There was no way he was going under this water. But he was shaking, scared to death. To put him out into the deep end, he would have gone crazy. He wanted to. He wanted to get out as quick as we can. And we can act that way sometimes. When something comes and a new thought comes into our mind, a new revelation from God or a new truth, we don't understand. We're like ah, too much, too much. We have this. Dense feeling. The second thing, look at Matthew fourteen twenty-eight through thirty, and we see a second characteristic. And so, uh, I want to see with Peter's denseness, he lacked wisdom. But here we're going to see he lacked something else in verses uh, twenty-eight through thirty of chapter fourteen. And then it said, Peter answered him. They're on they're on a boat. They're getting ready. You, you've heard this story, uh, walking on the water. He said, Lord, if you command me to come out to you on the water, I will. And he, Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The second thing we see here about Peter is he was distracted. He had a lack of faith. Peter jumped out of the boat. I give him credit for that. None of the other disciples did that. But as soon as he did, he quickly got distracted by everything else around him. He wanted to follow Jesus, but the sights, sounds, and experiences surrounding him were too much of a distraction. You know, this never happens to me more than once, twice, three times a day, an hour, an hour whatever, how quickly I get distracted. I, I'd love to sit here and tell you, man, it takes the big things of life to distract me from God, like, you know, true power or wealth or whatever, like whatever it is, it's not. Sometimes it's just these momentary pleasures, like just get me quickly distracted away from God. Maybe you feel distracted sometimes. It's easy to get our eyes off of the one that we're called to follow and start heading in some random, questionable direction, and we find ourselves in a place we never knew we would be. This happens to me all the time on the internet. I'll be on somebody's Facebook page, and then I'm like 16 friends deep and like looking at their uncle's pictures for some reason. I'm like, why am I even here? And I don't care. Whatever video I click on to start with, I'll eventually end up watching videos of cats. I don't know how that is. Like I just have, I'm, end up in these random, crazy directions, but that happens in our life spiritually as well. All of a sudden, we're following Jesus. One thing catches our eye, or our pleasure, or our passion, and we're off in a whole different direction with Peter so distracted pop over to Matthew sixteen, twenty-one through 22 uh, this I love this story it says from that time Jesus he's talking to his disciples began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things for the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day he would be raised I love this and then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him <laughs> Peter Peter you're dumb he's dead again He says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But then Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so Peter's third shortcoming here was he was impetuous. He lacked forethought. He just acted. He acted with haste and without thought. He heard something he didn't like, and he responded, and he acted with impulse. And that impulse, believe it or not, led him to rebuke Jesus craziness like how you ever found yourself you did something and all of a sudden you look back on and go why did I just do that why do I, that's that's an impetuous nature I often speak before I think I often act before I consider the full consequences of, of what I'm doing I tend to think that I'm the authority on an issue and I always have to get my ideas out there maybe, maybe you struggle in this area as well it's so easy to elevate our own views and diminish the views of others we always have to add our perspective, give our input. Instead of being quick to listen and slow to speak, we are quick to speak and slow to listen. We act and speak without forethought. That's what Peter did. Next, pop over to Matthew 17. 17 verses 3 through 5 say this, And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So this is the transfiguration is what is called in the Bible. Moses and Elijah all of a sudden appeared with Jesus in this amazing moment. And Peter said to Jesus, "Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one of them for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." And as Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed all of them, and a voice from the cloud said, "This is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. Listen to him." Now catch what happened here. Moment of amazing moment in Jesus' earthly life. Like, these figures from the past showed up, and, like, they're having a conversation. What does Peter do? Excuse me, guys. He, like, interjects himself into the spotlight here. He's like, how about I build you guys some tents? You know? Be cool? Like, he's talking to a carpenter. Like, I'm a fisherman, but I hey, carpenter. Can I build you some tents? Like, he interjects himself. He makes an inappropriate action, right? You ever done something inappropriate? Peter does here. He wanted some of the spotlight too so he could say hey that was a cool moment you see those tents over there i built those for those guys when they showed up and uh this is one i identify way too often with too something good is going on in somebody else's life and i'm tempted to find a way to come stand beside them put my arm around them and like stand in the spotlight with them and usually when i do that i'm the only one who doesn't realize how inappropriate that is and and maybe we Think when we do this that we're missing out on something, we're not getting credit that we deserve, and we often drives us to do these inappropriate things. We don't mind others getting credit and glory as long as they share it with us. But they better stay out of my spotlight when it's on me. Right? And and we drives us to these inappropriate things. All I want is what's for me, inappropriate. Next thing, Matthew nineteen. Keep uncovering these things about Peter, Matthew nineteen, twenty six through twenty seven. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. He had a great teaching moment here. And then Peter said and replied, see, we've, uh, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? He's like, so if everything's possible, what am I getting out of this? So what Peter showed here is this greedy nature. He lacked contentment. He was like, he's, you know, I'm following you. I'm saying all the right things. But at some point, this better pay off for me. I better get something out of this. You know, way too often I, I do this. I think that my relationship with Jesus is centered around me. What am I getting out of this? And sometimes we all fall into this trap of thinking, and I know we say, you know, Jesus, you know, I know you literally died for me, but look at what I've done for you. Like, what do I get back in return? And we center the relationship around us, we get caught up in material gain and circumstantial comfort. And we think that when those things aren't there, then God has let us down. When our health fails, when our material wealth fails, when circumstances go awry, we think, God, you've left me. What, are, what is it now? And that's, we get greedy. The next thing is this, Matthew 19:26 through 27. It says, then he came to Simon Peter. And this is at the table before, the, the Lord's table before the... Uh, uh, crucifixion and uh, he said to Simon Peter Lord do you wash my feet and in verse 8 it says "Then Peter said to him you shall never wash my feet and Jesus said if I do not wash your feet you have no share of me and so Peter here was arrogant and he lacked humility God was, Jesus was wanting to do something to impact his life to make a teaching moment and he said no I, I'm too proud don't do this to me Peter was too proud of his humility to let Jesus teach him how often I approach God and think I have everything already figured out. And I try to impress God instead of submitting myself to God. You know what we like to do in this with arrogance? We like to keep the upper hand. Instead of admitting we are lacking in any area, we always try to project strength and perfection. Turn to it in Matthew 26, 74 through 75. Getting to some deeper flaws that are coming out here now. And it says, Then... He began to, this was Peter, after Jesus had been arrested, taken away, he had already denied that he knew Jesus twice. And in verse 74, we see the last time he says this, Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. We see here that Peter was unreliable. He lacked security. In a moment of great difficulty in Jesus' life, Peter didn't just let him down. He denied him. He walked away. He said he never even associated with him. He wasn't a clutch hitter. In one of the biggest moments, he failed. I mean, there are times in my life when I feel like God gives me a great opportunity. And it's not that I just swing and miss. I don't even swing. I just fail. And for many of us, this can feel like a defining characteristic of our life. It did for Peter. And he looked at this and he says, I can't get over this. Maybe you've had a failure in your life that you're like, I can't, I'm unreliable. Patrick, you don't know, it. Now, I am, don't ask me to do anything because I am unreliable. I will fail you. I will. And for many of us, this defines us. We lose confidence in our ability to do anything good for God, for others, or even for ourselves. But we tell ourselves we're going to fail even before we try. We put this unbelievable pressure on ourselves and when we fail again, we go deeper into this feeling of shame and worthlessness. We stop seeing the opportunity and start seeing the obstacles. And we find ourselves just like Peter, weeping bitterly over the idea of what we have done. And we feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed because of our failures. The last thing is this. John 21, flip over to John. John 21, 3 through 5 says this. And this is where we find Peter, when we'll end our story as Jesus responds. This was after the resurrection. Peter had seen Jesus, and then said, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. You see, Peter had seen Jesus after the resurrection. He had been in his presence. And instead of doing everything he could to run back to Jesus, he ran the other way and he quit. He went back to what he was doing. He said, I'm going fishing. I'm done. Worthless. He's a quitter. He quit. Sometimes the urge to quit is so overwhelming. I look at all these shortcomings in my life. Maybe you look at the shortcomings in your life And you think, I'm not good enough for this team. I don't deserve any grace, any peace, any love. I'm getting what I deserve. Maybe you feel like a complete failure. Maybe you feel like quitting. Maybe you have already quit. You quit on God. You quit on other people. You quit on hoping. You quit on anything better for yourself. And you have quit on you. You've quit. This is what happens when we let shame win. We get in the game and... We get out of the game we step out of life we lose hope and lose perspective this can lead to deep depression unworthiness and even thoughts that life is not worth living shame as i said earlier is a horrible place to live but i want to catch something here god did not leave peter out fishing he didn't let him quit and he won't leave you and let you quit either jesus responded to peter and i'm so grateful That I can identify with Peter. This guy who had so many of his own personal shortcomings. Because Jesus didn't cut Peter loose. He didn't send him back out. Say you know I made a mistake Peter. I should have never called you. You see if we look at all these stories again. You see how Jesus responded afterwards. Here's what we see. Peter was dense and lacked wisdom. But Jesus responded with patience. Peter was distracted and lacked faith. And Jesus responded by rescuing him. Peter was impetuous and lacked forethought, and Jesus responded by rebuking him. Peter was inappropriate and lacked discernment, and Jesus responded by redirecting him. Peter was greedy and lacked contentment, and Jesus responded by reminding him of where true joy is. Peter was arrogant and lacked humility, and Jesus responded by teaching him truth. Peter was unreliable and lacked security, and Jesus responded with salvation through sacrifice. Peter was a quitter because he lacked perspective, and Jesus responded by restoring him to his original purpose and calling. Jesus didn't quit on Peter, and he's quitting on you. He's not going to let you quit either. I want to close by reading Jesus' words to Peter after all of this. This is John 21. I want you to hear these words not just to Peter. I want him to hear them to you. Let these words be planted deep in your heart and your soul. Let these words of Jesus take root and bring about restoration, and let them choke out the weeds of shame in your life. John 21 says this, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Don, John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This had to be torture for Peter. Thinking, is he trying to humiliate me? Is he trying to make a point here? Do I love you? Of course I do. Are you trying to make me look foolish? And then there came a point where Peter realized this, that the questions he was asking Peter aren't for Jesus' benefit. They were for Peter's benefit. Jesus was walking Peter back into freedom, away from shame and back into freedom. You see, when he said, feed my lambs, he said, look, start by doing something easy. Take the, take the smallest and feed them. Like just, just do the easiest thing. Get back on your feet. And when he said, tend to my lambs, He's like, start, start now taking a step. You've gotten back on your feet, now take a step. Start doing something. And then when he says, feed my sheep, that's the hardest job of a shepherd because the sheep are very difficult to make follow. Hardest job. And that's what he's saying here. Look, Peter, once you get back on your feet and you start taking a step, I want you to start leading again. I want you to start making an impact in people's lives again. Jesus didn't leave him in shame. He walked him to freedom And Jesus is walking you to freedom today. Let your shortcomings become strength. Turn your denseness into dependence. Turn your distractions into vision. Turn your impetuousness into boldness. Turn your inappropriateness into distinction. Turn greed into generosity. Arrogance into submission. Unreliability into trust and quitting into redemption. The question today is this. Will you let Jesus turn your shortcomings into strengths? Don't wallow in shame. Walk in freedom. Stop looking in and locking yourself in your own personal prison. Break free and walk in freedom by reaching out to the redemption and resurrection of Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I don't know about you, but as we have this moment of stillness and contemplation, so many of these shortcomings of Peter resonated in my life. Brought up things I didn't want to think about. Brought up issues I didn't want to deal with. I'm so thankful I don't have to. Jesus responds to these. You don't have to fix them. You have to reveal them. Be honest about them. And then Jesus responds, "Jesus brings the healing, wipes away the shame and the guilt, and moves us to our freedom. Don't try to be the best you that you can be. Be the best you that God designed you to be, and that God is making you to be today. I don't care what personal shortcoming you have today. How deep it goes into your soul, into the depth of your character, how much brokenness you feel, you'll open that up to God. He'll, he'll respond. He'll heal. He'll walk you from shame to freedom and let you experience life like you have never experienced before. I want to give us just a few minutes this moment and let these words roll over our hearts and our souls as we allow God to do some work redeeming and restoring our shortcomings today.